right. Master All James. All right, Master Joseph. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. How you been? <laughs> Great. With Great. with your classes, do you yeah. is there a uh, <clears throat> nomenclature for you know obviously uh, Swami's been given the uh, the fun name of Swami Swami G. Um, <laughs> within your classes, is there a Joseph G. <laughs> Oh Shri Joseph, oh, Shri Ramana Joseph, <laughs> Shri Ramana Yogananda Joseph, ya Joseph Ananda. My favorite is uh, Swami Sabudananda. <laughs> Which that, is it? That's the best one I've heard. Yeah. And uh, now it's recorded for posterity. <laughs> yeah. Which is a. Uh, and uh, Sabudana, will you tell people what Sabudana is? I can Sabudana's? hear my friends in India laughing in the future as they hear me say that. <laughs> Because it's really funny. Well, you should have Sabudana. A few. What's yeah, it's taken a life of its own, that Sabudana thing. Tell listeners what Sabudana is. Sabudana is like tapioca. It's like it's like those little um it's like bobo tea or what's it called? Bolo Yeah, boba tea kind Bo -boba, boba tea. Mm -hmm. Bobo tea. Bo boba tea. I should know that actually from living in Taiwan, but anyway. Uh boba tea. It's the similar stuff from a tree, but it's it's made into this really beautiful, simple breakfast in India. Um, what's a little crispy, uh, little a little? Uh, yeah, it's so good. There's, it depends how it's made, right? Okay. So, well, the one that I had with you was crispy and kind of like a juicy, savory, a little spicy. Yeah, it's got peanuts in it. It's got a little bit of cilantro. They can also make it into little burgers They're called vada. Yeah. So Sabudana Vada, that's I'm particularly famous for Sabudana Vada and my my desires for mm -hmm. that. But it's a hilarious thing about it is that it, it's considered uh, fasting food. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard this term fasting food. Only Indians can be so brilliant to think of something like that. Fasting. So food. So, so fasting food is the food you eat in India. When you're fasting, <laughs> how how do they al culturally allow like the, yeah. the whole point of fasting is? Yeah, I've never met a, a, I've never seen a culture more devoted to food, and 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 it's like, you know, where do you sleep? Kind of doesn't matter, you know. Where where is your shelter? Sort of doesn't matter. <laughs> but what have you eaten? Have you mm. eaten today? What what? What about the food? <laughs> you know? mm. So like when we used to travel as the ashram, we would book an entire bogey, like an entire train car and travel from one massive city to the other across India. We would book the whole car, right? And 30, 40 of us would get on and take the whole car. We'd clean the whole thing. But there would be one whole section of, I think it's six seats or six uh, benches where six people can sleep which is just for our food and our water. You know, we would bring so much food, even though food is served at every village along the way, because you can't conceive of not having food. Mm. So fasting in India, uh, of course, I'm sure there is actual pure water fasting that we're used to. Obviously, Gandhi's famous for that. And, and it's probably you're making, you're making me rethink it actually with yeah. this whole concept of fasting maybe he wasn't but but maybe actually who knows but they, they, what they'll do is they'll they'll not eat like grains 
Or <laughs> <laughs> they'll not eat like grains or they'll not eat like uh, certain things or maybe like certain time of day or something and be like, I fasted. And it's always it's always part of a, a ritual which uh, is associated with some particular ritual on a particular day. And, mm. and, and as with everything in India, there's, I'm sure there's wisdom in all of it. Absolutely. Mm. But it's just funny. I mean, only Indians can think of that, you know. <laughs> like, it's like hot ice cream. You know, it's like, whatever. I mean, fasting food, it's hilarious. So, sabudana is an acceptable thing to eat. Uh, it's not considered real food. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your favorite. And it's my favorite. I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it. And it, it started in the ashram. It's like a, a breakfast. It used to be more often. It doesn't really have very much nutritional value. So, uh, the ashram is more concerned these days i think with like you know nutritional it is, value it is so good and but such it's so an interesting good. texture yeah. yeah it's really satisfying yeah. so okay so one of the things that we mentioned last episode that i would love to dive into you with is yeah <clears throat> is this it started in my mind around this concept that these these fundamental principles can evolve into ritualistic approaches to them to where then we we value the rituals more so than the principles and and we we chat about them in different episodes we that's a that's a a great lens in which to view philosophy in general and something that vedanta treatise talks about it's something that vedanta itself is so brilliant in that it's a I think one of my one of my core loves of Vedanta, similar to to many of the messages of, if not all of them, of Christ, is that they're critiques on culture. It's basically like stepping outside and being like, "What are you doing? For your own sake, what are you doing?" And there's this um, there was this reorientation in my mind um, when I heard a uh, someone describe that in the West we view love as essentially our definition of love, conventional love, not like some brilliant poet, but person off the street is being nice. Uh And then you could look at something like the Bhagavad Gita describing uh, love. And and my favorite uh, definition of it would be a lack of seeing any otherness in the world. Yeah. That love is not just, it is it is only unconditional there is no oh there are levels of love and that's a conditional version or you know can you love outside of your home and not just your family there's there's just that's the i feel like that is the that is the highest ideal of love very different yeah. so i'm happy to talk about that but as i was thinking about our time today i was thinking about when we zoom out in general there is this emphasis placed on the wrong aspects of these things all the way to religion, which is something that 3.3 billion people um, ascribe to on a daily, if not weekly basis around the world. And the emphasis placed on the rituals versus the emphasis placed on within it the core messages of Christ, Buddha, uh, Muhammad, 
the core messages are about responsibility, not rituals. And so I, I was thinking through this literally on my drive today while I was dropping Elle off at school, driving back of less religion and more responsibility or less, um, you find it even in the political realm where everyone is clamoring about rights instead of emphasizing our duties uh-huh. as Americans, Californians, yeah. uh, Los Angelinos. It doesn't matter where you are. You could be in uh, Timbuktu and you probably in a modern 2022 social media realm are talking about rights yeah. instead of duties. Um, so all of these realms, love and seeing otherness, religion, and um, responsibilities, rights, duties. It, I feel like we've lost the plot in all of them. Oh yeah. And wanted sure. to get your take on uh, if any of those spark any. If I'm if I'm directionally correct in perceiving it. Yeah, I mean, it probably. I mean, there could be a relation. Which, as you as you talk, I haven't ever really. Well, I don't know. Maybe I have and forgotten, but <laughs> mm. I haven't thought in a, thought about. The connection between those three but i mean with starting with love of course we have a, a very warped idea of what love is uh swamiji says that w- the love that people talk about in the world is nothing but attachment actually it's not love you're right the 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 12th chapter of the gita gives 35 qualities of a bhakta uh, a devotee of god and <clears throat> the first one is advaishta sarva bhutanam Sarva Bhutanam means all beings. Adveshta means no otherness. Excuse me. No otherness with any being. That's love, as you mm. rightly say. That sense of identification. So our love is is as strong as our uh I, I don't know, is is like a chain with the weak the weakest link. It's as strong as as our um uh as our non-hatred for any beings or to put it the other way we are loving up until the point that we have otherness with any being so we Mm. may not for uh various reasons relate to everybody equally you will have a different uh relationship uh responsibility obligation to L and Marley than you do to the neighbor's children uh, or uh, to children on the other side of the world, but you still may have an identification with them. You still identify with them. Uh, the actions may differ. Our, our, the way we act towards other, other people may differ, but you don't have to hate their being. You don't have to see them as non-existent right and it's all beings it's not just human beings so i even yeah will push myself to love the people flying a plane seemingly 200 feet above us right yeah Yeah, just passing by Mm -hmm. because they wanted to go play today Mm -hmm. yes you're right so even even uh i mean jesus christ is the epic example you know of they're torturing him and hanging him from a cross and 
Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Mm. There's, there's identification there. He's, he's identifying with them enough to recognize they don't, they're, they're like children. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. Forgive them. There's a compassion for them. Uh, that's true love. True love is identification with beings. Without any reference to, to our own selfishness, without any reference to our own anything in it for us, with no axe to grind. So another way of, of putting all this is love plus selfishness equals attachment. Mm. So that there's that there's no doubt you get that feeling of oneness with somebody or with something or some could be a planet, I don't know, with anything. You feel you get a sense of oneness, but the moment you start polluting it with what am I getting out of it, it's no longer love. Oh, it's yeah, I mentioned on one of our recent episodes being on a hike and being like, This is gorgeous and then him just slowly slipping into wonder what it would be like to own a place up here. Yeah. You, are there homes out here? Could you buy? And then it went into a peace within to this disquiet of feeling without. And it went from it went from uh, love of this moment yeah. to attachment to clinging on. I want this to be permanent. Yeah, so it's interesting you say that, clinging. So attachment, when it becomes exaggerated, gets into possessiveness, mm. which is deadly. Spiritually speaking, deadly. And probably deadly, literally, physically. But the moment we get possessive about something, it's... Uh, it's highly agitating and we'll probably lose it anyway because of that possessiveness. It, it, we all know this. You get possessive over a person, eventually you'll lose them. You know, that, you build a company and you're possessive over running yeah. every department and your yeah. 12 people, 15 yeah. people, all your good people are going to leave. Yeah, of course. You don't empower other people. You don't let them. You don't let other people take any responsibility. And it's my company that my and all that. That mindness, that that selfishness, that attachment. So it pollutes love. Uh, so when people say "I love you," mostly, mostly it's it's because you're providing X, Y, Z to me. Feeling, yeah, it's a or you're you're physically catering to me, you're emotionally catering to me, you're intellectually catering to me. The moment you stop that, where will be your retinue? Says Bajigovindam. Uh, you know, it says. Uh, the when you reach old age your retinue will vanish you know the people that are so in, uh, enamored of you and following you because you can provide them with what they need the moment you stop producing where did everybody go mm -hmm. uh you know i'm sure malibu is full of movie stars that nobody's following around anymore swami always talks around uh, talks about the bollywood stars that he knows personally that when they were in their day were like the Shah Rukh Khan and the Aishwarya Rai and the, of their day, right? Mm -hmm. Or I guess now the Deepika Padukone and these people. Take your word for it. Yeah, that. but I mean, whoever the whoever the the big time people are now, they would be wise to look towards the the elders who are still in the community that nobody bothers when they walk by, right? Uh, and this is getting a little bit off track, but the, it's because. Uh, 
that people come and say, we love you so much, mm-hmm. Bieber or whatever, you know. Okay, until he stops providing something that to them mm-hmm. or especially to his his retinue mm-hmm. or to her retinue, whoever it is that is uh, uh, providing s- some sort of service. And in personal relationships is definitely the case. A person stops providing you X, Y, Z that they provided you when you first met, whether it's a friend or a partner or even a child, you know, uh, do you, is there still love there? That's love, right? If, if there's no more relationship anymore because you stop catering to me, that's, then it shows that it's just attachment. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's a, yeah. well, it's definitely a very, very different definition than being nice. And I'm not saying everyone defines love in the West as, as being nice. Anytime you use a yeah. broad stroke like that, there are yeah. going to be uh, listeners that, that do define it much more deeply. But yeah. even those listeners would know that, yeah, probably the people at my office, maybe the majority of the people that live on my block, yeah. their their approach to even loving their spouse is, <clears throat> how do I be nice to my spouse instead of... Um, how do I cultivate this feeling of of no otherness with with anyone? Yeah. And it almost seems like as soon as you have a distinction of who you love and who you don't, what you love and what you don't, yeah. you're in the realm automatic, seemingly automatically of attachment of selfishness. Yep. Like you're putting the lens on who do I love, who do I not love. Absolutely. Yeah. So your uh, it should not have a boundary. He says, uh, Swami says, your home should be the center, not the boundary of your affection. Hmm. So true love, true identification with beings uh, is no doubt uh, awakened by, you know, those those people that really teach us love, our family, our partners, our children, whatever it is that sense of sacrifice and, and uh, after you, this sort of thing. But if it, it, it is true love to the extent that it has a boundary. So it's more true if it, if it includes all of your Santa Monica, right? And more true still if it includes all of America, all of California, whatever, uh, and so on and so forth. Reaching out to the truest love, if, it, if you want to say that. I don't know. I haven't thought too much about it. But the, to, it, the, if, it, if it goes infinite and it and includes all beings, that's, the, that's actual love. That's the real thing. Therefore, why do you need to kill the mosquitoes? Why do you have to you know, slam the daddy long legs with your shoe? When you, mm. you know, if you, just, if you put a, it's amazing, I've been doing, it's funny. If you put a jar under a daddy long legs, I don't know why. They just fall in. They like start freaking out and they fall in. Because lately for some reason there's been some in my little my little kutia over the fence there. Uh I don't know. You put it under them and they just freak out and they they let go of their web and they mm. fall in, which is perfect. You get like four of them in there and you go outside and throw them out. Mm. Or you can slap them with a shoe. And yeah, then you have to wipe off your wall also. It's like instant karma. Mm. Not only do you do it, you have to clean it now. Mm. you know mosquitoes like get a net 
put proper nets in your house. Definitely, why are we ripping? So you're saying even cultivate love for them? Yeah, identification. That guy we ran into on the beach the other day. Which? With his free, his lobster. Oh, yeah. That he was on his way to freeze. Mm. I hope he doesn't watch this, but whatever. He'll get a lesson if he did. Because mm. I, I couldn't talk to him. I was like, man, that's my lack of love. I should be more loving to the guy. But he's got this beautiful lobster showing us in a bag. And you're asking him, what are you going to do with that, you know? I'm going to go, are you going to go cook it? He said, no, I'm going to go freeze it. He said, freeze it alive. Mm. I mean, you couldn't you like chop its head off before you freeze it? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. At least it'd be merciful. He's going to go freeze it alive. Maybe he wants the head on it. I don't know. I haven't eaten a lobster in a really, really long time. I don't remember mm. what it is. But gosh, man, that lobster was minding its own business, being part of the ecosystem and the ocean that you seem to enjoy uh, frolicking in with his he enjoys diving in he's gonna go take a piece of the ocean out then take that living being and freeze it alive i mean what that you can't do that if you if you identify with it it's impossible Mm. if you actually have love for other beings for all beings there's no way you can eat that lobster that's a living being it's no different than taking wendell the dog and having him for lunch I remember um, a Vedantic thinker, and I don't remember which one, saying that uh, you can approach life as if everything has infinite value or as if nothing has any value. But it's in between where you get, uh, I think he said, but it's in between where... I'll have to paraphrase because I don't remember the exact words, but he said something like it's in between where you get screwed up. That makes sense. Would that apply here where it's because a harsh way of interpreting that in in my sometimes uh, black and white way of interpreting would be you, you don't love your spouse if you can't also identify with the stranger that if you, and is that too, too, harsh of a lens yes it means you're attached attachment is not love you're attached to your spouse you don't love your spouse there's some selfish purpose that you're serving with this quote or this thing you're calling love yeah and that's i mean that's when we're all there it's not that any i'm not free of attachment in any way but it's good to recognize what's actually happening that's all Vedanta. I mean, I don't want to say that's all Vedanta is doing, but Vedanta does that very well. It it opens the clarity on the the lens mm. about what's actually going on. So when people, I love you so much, I love you so much. Understand it's attachment. There was a guy in the ashram. I have to tell his story. Maybe he watches. I don't know. <laughs> Nathan. Nathan is, oh God, you would love Nathan. If you're ever in England, I think he lives in Manchester. If you're ever over there, you must have lunch with Nathan. All right. Like just mental note. You can see Parle, who's your friend. You know yeah. Parle. Mm-hmm. Parle's in London. Uh, Nathan's in Manchester, I believe. And he is a unique, unique character. I mean, he's, you know, most people are are like everybody else, kind of like, I'm kind of like you and, and we're kind of like Jake and we're all kind of the same on a, on a normal sort of mm-hmm. range. 
Nathan's one of those guys that's different from other people. I mean, he's just, <laughs> he's so poised. He's so just objective. He's really something, this guy. He's amazing. And uh, I've only known like two or three people that are truly unique. <laughs> uh, but Nathan was leaving the ashram after like, God knows. I don't know how long he was there. He was there a long time. Uh, at least a decade, for sure. And probably more. <clears throat> but uh, he was... <laughs> He was he was walking around and uh, giving out chocolate to just, you know, not to celebrate his own leaving, but he was leaving and he was just like as a final gift mm. to everybody. He was giving out some chocolate. And he comes out to one of those outside tables in the ashram. <laughs> I'm sitting there with some of my buddies and uh, he gives us all a chocolate and I'm just like, oh, Nathan, I love you, man. I love you so much, you know. And he was like, you know, because he's giving out chocolate. And he says, so long as I'm handing out the chocolates. <laughs> and he walks back in the dining hall. I was like, oh. Or he's just, so long as I'm giving out the chocolates. Mm. One other time, just to tell another Nathan story. I, now I really hope he watches this. Um, we eat with our hands in India, you know? You've seen that. And uh, so one time I was just sitting with Nathan. Because I just love talking to him. Because he's so unique. He's just a character. And he's eating with his hands. And I just, I know the answer, but I was like, so Nathan, what's up, man? You always eat with your hands? He says, no. And uh, I said, <laughs> I said Nathan, why, why, why do you eat with your hands? <laughs> uh, just, I, I mean. Why do you eat with your yeah, hands? Yeah, why do you eat with your hands? Even though you were eating with yeah, your hands? Yeah, I'm eating with my hands. But I was like, why do you eat with your hands? <laughs> well, if it's too hot for my hands, it's too hot for my mouth. <laughs> wow that's brilliant logic that was a sweet answer mm -hmm. anyway this is nathan mm -hmm. but he was right i mean i'm all i'm like effusively loving on him and i actually do love him i think um in a certain way but uh he's saying as long as i'm giving you the chocolate but he's a matter of fact you know and everybody deadpan you'll love him for that like his his comedy is just like mm. as dry and flat as it gets but it's funny Mm. you know and he walks away mm. as long as i'm giving out the chocolate mm. he goes walking off it's timing the walking away is as important as the words big he'd be great so that's it as long as we are being serviced by another person in whatever form it is we so-called love them true love is that which has no selfishness in it which is identification uh, without any axe to grind, without any selfishness. And we get it horribly wrong. You know, mm. we get it horribly wrong, which is how you started this, this idea, right? Well, even in the, in the context of that example of a stranger and your spouse, I'm not saying to go hug the stranger to cultivate that love. You don't, I love my pinky. I'm not like, uh, uh yeah writing love letters to it i'm not hugging it yeah. but i identify with yeah that's a useful and yes. i and i i love it yeah serve it i'm not going to cut off the nutrients i'm yes. not going to cut it off and um, if it's hurt you'll fix it if it's you'll hurt put a I'm bandage gonna, on exactly it. i'm going to protect it for yeah. the <clears throat> three weeks that needs protecting for it to heal um there's this identification with it and that is very different than this niceness which um 
I identify with or I define love as being nice as much as anyone, but it is when you can objectively stand back and say, oh, loving that stranger, that homeless person, that criminal, the person that um, is the evil dictator. Yeah. The it's it is profound on in my mind three different levels of identifying with them on one level is or seeing no otherness is saying okay this is not this is not conventional evil evil this is this is someone that is one of my favorite definitions of uh in in kind of actually eviscerating this like good and evil Dualism is uh, is the one that, that Swami says all the time of wickedness is goodness bereft of a guide. Okay, yeah. so here's some identification. It is like an ankle that has been twisted. I still identify with it's my ankle, yeah. but whoa. Yeah. Something led it in the wrong direction and maybe it was a curb that I was stepping off of. Yeah. And now it is bereft of the right direction. There's that, uh, this, <clears throat> this human is another part of um, human race is this um, this evil dictator yeah. bereft of a guide. Yeah. Then there's the then there is the the love of okay this this needs a proper guide and it's going to be quite challenging for them like resetting a bone. This person needs to be locked up probably for life. Yeah. Um, if not, okay, it needs to be amputated, needs to be killed. Yeah. Um. And that's that is what not only is the right resetting the bone for this individual, um, but it would be like amputating your leg. Of like, hey, there is like we chatted about last week. There, if we if this action isn't taken, um, then women and children will die from this evil dictator, this yep. quote unquote evil dictator. This, yep. uh, that that uh, I don't really ascribe to this uh, conventional definition of evil, but. We'll call it that because it's the yeah. worst uh, version we can think of that you could still love on these different levels. And then on <clears throat> this deep uh, unselfish level, there's this, there is this, uh, or philosophical level, there is this love of here is something to observe that, um, that I, can, I can grow from. Uh, whether I'm in the grasp of that evil dictator or just watching from, you know, the New York Times front page, thirty thousand miles away, mm. and and it's like <clears throat> people that that can visualize. Um, okay, if I was fourteen and I grew up in Afghanistan, and the way that this fourteen-year-old or now twenty-two-year-old in the Taliban grew up, would I have been any different? Mm-hmm. Three generations of father figures teaching me some wayward yeah. path yeah would i be any different right and and you you can stretch that to the evil dictator of okay part of an institutional education of the kgb and the in putin's example for 30 years yeah in a unstable country that uh worries about nuclear warfare on one side famine on the other for 60 years and I'm in this position where uh, what I'm doing, I think is what needs to be done to ensure stability. I mean, it's, it is, it's pretty profound. The depths you can go to when there is this um, 
to use your words, this identification, this lack of seeing otherness from what what is, what needs to be done, and what can be gleaned yeah, on all and, three and levels. That's uh, the Gita, right? I mean, he uh, uh, it, it, he is being convinced to go into battle and kill a lot of people, at the same time being taught to see the self in all beings. To see the self in them. That is wisdom. I brought the Gita, actually. Let's see. Yeah, how can you reconcile that obvious, um, seemingly (laughs) discord for audience? It was just at the exact right spot, the bookmark. All right. That's crazy. Uh, Chapter 6, verse 29. He says, United to self by yoga by the spiritual disciplines, united to the truth within. You're one with the truth. You identify with the truth. He sees the self in all beings and all beings in the self. He sees the same everywhere. Sama darshanaha. Sama darshana. Samaha means sameness. Hmm. He He sees the same everywhere. So... This is the Gita. We're reading from the Bhagavad Gita, which is telling people, Krishna is convincing Arjuna to go into the battle and kill everybody on the other side. And in the same text, he's describing the the wisdom, a person of, of wisdom who's acting correctly, this chapter. He's acting correctly. Uh, he says, um, a, a wise one is one who sees the self in all beings and all beings in the self. He who sees me everywhere, next verse, and sees all in me, I am not lost to him, nor is he lost to me. It should sound familiar also mm. to our recent Instagram post. Right. As, uh, yeah, old, old JC. I mean, um, that's it. I and the Father, Father and me, me and you, you and me. Yeah, the only, th- oh, sorry, the only thing that I thought about that he could add, <laughs> which I recognize is. <laughs> I've I've heard Swami talk like that, and he can get away with it. He'd be like, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus was good, but he missed that one. I'm like, wait, you know, are you yeah. really? And he really is. I'm I'm joking, sort of, but he could have also said, "And you also are in the Father." That mm-hmm. would have rounded it out. Yeah, yeah, he gets close. It's it's implied, but yeah, not it's implied fully. No, I'm, and I'm half fully. joking, but um, not fully joking. Yeah, but but that that <clears throat> that recognition of the divinity of all beings, literally even as you're killing them, if that's what you are supposed to do. Yeah, very important point is this is a uh, a just civil war. It's a just and, war. And yeah. it is, and Arjuna is uh, one of the greatest warriors in the land, and it yeah. is his duty that he's trying to shirk. Yeah. Because and of fear of death, because of fear, because of attachment. And the moment the duty is over, the moment the, the objective is accomplished, done. Mm. There's no there's no more killing. Like, you know, in more civilized war, they used to actually stop and like allow, walk around each other and pick up bodies. And there wasn't that hating the guts of the other guy. It was just a, a dedication to the cause. Like sometimes like the civil war, it was often brothers mm. who went on and lived together and like, took care of the farm for the rest right. of their life after taking opposite sides. Mm-hmm. Uncles and brothers and similar to this. They don't, 
he's saying uh, you don't you don't lose that identification with other. That's an, such an extreme. Uh, they're making it extreme on purpose. But you should compete in capitalism. You know, uh, versus I mean, Airbnb should be merciless in their competition with the uh, what's the other one? Verbo. Yeah, VRBO or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should be merciless, and they should try to beat them in every way and they should you know vrbo is trying to be like the luxury one so airbnb should do like airbnb lux mm-hmm. and just like kill them out of the, that's that's how it works and they should likewise try to undercut them and whatever but it doesn't mean that when the ceos meet each other that they get into a fist fight and that they get heartburn just seeing the other guy what's up man like a mm-hmm. sport like a game you know, ideally, we're not brawling at the end of the game. It, it, it happens, but uh, ideally, it should be like, okay, we're all in this thing together. There's a sense of identification. The love is not uh, made less by competition or even in the extreme example of the of, of war by literally killing another person. You don't have to hate their soul. You identify with it. Mm-hmm. You identify with them, which is... Uh, which is fascinating because that's what allows Arjuna to do his action is that vision. Krishna to identify with him, right. It's so interesting. By Krishna giving him that broader perspective, Krishna lends Arjuna his intellect for 20 minutes or whatever, however long the conversation took. So that Arjuna gets off his selfish approach to the thing and, and instead of what am I getting and my, my friends and my and all that, I and my selfishness, and his he identifies with the changeless aspect of everyone that allows him to actually function and do what he's supposed to do. Well, it's a, a, and for <clears throat> listeners, go check out last week's episode because it does tie into freedom from experience. Because it does tie into when you were talking about uh, Putin, and it was kind of an off off the cuff statement of yeah, I would go over there and and kill him. He's an evil dictator. He's a He's a dictator. He's a madman. He's a mad dog. Oh, yeah. And and then as soon and and that is obviously. Um, I mean, I'd kill contrast. myself. I mean, if he'd take me, forget him. Not that I have any value, but you know, if you if he was like, okay, Biden, like, I want you, I'll I'll, I'll give you Crane back, but you have to come over here. I'm going to put you down. Biden should be like, yep. Mm-hmm. So you should be you should be equally. Uh, like, what do I have to have Putin be like, who's this guy? I don't care about this guy. But somebody of value, that's also a leader. He should be able to stand there and say, take me. That's what Zelensky's doing. What a, mm. what a, he's living it. You know? mm-hmm. he's, that's why everyone's like, this guy's a hero. Because uh, he should take that deal. Guy, and he really does have the whole world in the palm of his hands of, oh. of by, by having nothing. By foregoing everything. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, Yesterday he, he spoke, has everything. He spoke to Congress and was like, they're all standing ovation. And he's like, you guys are supposed to be healthy. They, they just look, they look, <laughs> and they have their reasons. Like no one wants a nuclear war, whatever the issue is. But he is willing to put himself to death. Mm-hmm. And for, he has everything and yeah, because of it. Because of it, yeah. There's probably a, couple hundred million people glued to the news around the world around yeah. this and hopefully in 20 years this is a tiny tiny footnote and is I forgotten so. in time so. but right now he's got yeah a couple hundred million people 
oh, in the palm of his hand, yeah. rooting for him and, and a couple of the most powerful nations in the world because he didn't jump ship and take a, uh, a flight out um, and specifically said, I don't need a ride, I need more ammo. Yeah. And it's, it, it, there's this, and when you were mentioning that last episode, as soon as you said, Look, if you're, I can't remember which, which limb it was where you said, look, if, you're, if your um, leg needs to be amputated, that's what you need to do. Yeah. It was actually through the identification with it or the union of you and this person that needs to be killed that the logic kind of flipped in my head. I'm like, oh yeah, this, is, this isn't a strange contrast of a philosopher preaching uh, one message and then saying someone needs to die. It's actually, no, this is objective thinking and it would be the same for my leg. That identification with with that leg also naturally comes with the identification of the rest of the body. Yeah. The identification with yeah. the evil dictator comes with the identification yeah. uh, with the mother and child that just was just bombed. Totally, and, and we talked about that, I, I think, about... Uh... Also, having some compassion for Putin. I mean, what a yeah. horrible life. What a terrible... I remember uh, I was living in Kaohsiung in, in Taiwan when they killed uh, Saddam Hussein, when they found him and hung him. And it's like, that was an evil guy. I mean, I, I'm just using it loosely. I also don't use that word evil like that, but he's a bad guy who is nasty. I mean, he was throwing people off of buildings and raping and marauding and horrible. And he was, should have put been put down, and he was. But still, you see him in those last days, and it was like, you have to also have an identification with him as a person. Like, what a terrible life, you know? Hmm. What a terrible end. And he lost his whole family, and he lost everything. And now he's being mocked as he died. They're mocking him as they hung him, you know? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it shouldn't have happened, but you still feel for his humanity. You still feel for him as a person, even the worst of people. As you said, wickedness stands forth as goodness bereft of a guide. Morris Matterlink said mm. that or wrote that. Happy and blessed hour. That's the full thing. Happy and blessed hour when wickedness stands forth as goodness bereft of a guide. It's a, you are happy. You're, you are blessed. You're at peace when even when faced with, with wickedness, you only see it as goodness bereft of a guide. You see Samaha, like we read in the Gita there. That, mm. that You have that same vision, even for your tormentor, even for the, the, torturing, the one who's torturing you. Mm. That's, that's, it's happy and blessed because you are at peace. You're not eaten up by that resentment and anger and all that. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, I, Victor Frankl's books are full of this also. His discussion of, I mean, his stuff's amazing, but generally identifying with his captors, forgiving mm-hmm. all these people he talks a lot about. Yeah. So this is, there's plenty of examples. Right, yeah. Man's search for meaning is, <clears throat> does have a handful of those examples of that identification, and it, it does provide so much more peace yeah in a somewhat um ironic way it does provide so much more peace to have that identification even though it feels like okay am i going to just open my arms to every stranger 
me- metaphorically, literally, and and it is it is that phrase of uh, either everything has infinite value or or the things you see have no value uh, whatsoever. But it's the the ground in between that will um, disorient you. It is choose one, and and I would imagine you'd probably choose the everything has infinite value until it's until it has none yeah um right but the the other side of this is and it, it's the reason these three areas are connected in my mind and the one i wanted to talk to you about as we uh, get to this latter half of the conversation is religion and responsibilities there's you get caught up in this love definition of you know nice kind of territory where it's like you're copying the leaves instead of the roots. You're copying the actions. Oh, Jesus was nice. Yeah, was kind. Yeah. And instead of the roots, you're you're just saying like, oh, this is inter- interaction. These are the words that he used. Yeah. Instead of like, no, 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 that's an outgrowth. Yeah. Going through millions and miles, <clears throat> millions of miles of neural pathways rooted in something very different yeah and that's just what you observably see but the roots beneath the ground that you can't see of this metaphorical tree they're rooted in this identification similarly um when i talk about yoga for your intellect or talk about vedanta people want to root it they want to compare it to a religion and as we touch on many times, it's it's just not a religion. It's a philosophy. It's a uh, orientation of viewing the world. Um, but do you mind touching on the differences between and why uh, you would say it's philosophy, not a religion, and and if they are in somewhat of the same ballpark, you know, someone skeptical listening could say, "Well, man, religions are they're the." the cesspool of almost all conflict yeah the yeah yeah they're right atrocity is yeah. atrocities come from religion and this sounds religious and how how you um dissect the the differences every every religion has a philosophy and ritual everyone the philosophy is like the germ is like the protein in the middle of the the grain you understand it's the essence of it. The rest is ritual. When you remove the philosophy or when the philosophy gets lost, the philosophy is no longer emphasized, the understanding that it's trying to convey. Then you end up with blind superstition, mechanical ritual. That's it. That's all that's left. It's, all, it's, it's just the ritual itself not the uh divorced from the essence so it, it, you you miss the nutrition of it and it's just like eating the the thing without the the actual nutrition so philosophy can do, can do without religion religion can't really do without philosophy i mean it can but it won't have any power and it will it will go away it'll coast for a little bit and then... yeah it'll be um It'll be lost, uh, lost to history, because it doesn't have any real value. 
What actually changes the value is the reorientation of our thoughts, reorientation of our understanding, reorientation of our perspective, that objectivity that is lent through the process of ideally of an ideal religion, in which case the ritual is all really important and really useful. And as you say, on-ramps to people to get to the philosophy. Why do we do this? Why do we do the same ritual every day? Why do we do that thing? Why do we do that thing? It turns people towards that higher thinking. But if it doesn't turn you towards anything, and it just becomes like a social club, or worse, you know, or a power-gathering thing, if it just becomes community organizing, right, then yeah oh then, god can yeah. christmas catholics or or and just me being one and and times you know tending to check a box yeah for my own to try to quiet my own mind yeah. with obviously you know it's chasing the leaves and it's not the roots it's or worse it's like all right this thing that's supposed to celebrate uh something in in a in a church for the last two thousand years just becomes this amplification of desire of I want these 14 things for Christmas. <laughs> and it's, yeah, the ritual can take you to some pretty strange, strange places from the philosophy. Yeah. And you start taking the ritual literally or whatever. Uh, and I'm not, I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot more, uh, blind superstition and, uh, mechanical ritual and mechanical practices uh in in sort of the western religions that that doesn't have that much ritual actual ritual right it's more just like it's quite simplified but you know you go to india everything is ritualized everything the child's first haircut is a ritual you know like everything the first bite of solid food there's a ritual and it's beautiful if it's understood as they're all reminders that there is a divine purpose to life there is a higher purpose to life they have a power but if they're and they should be uh they should be honored they should be maintained that that actually keeps the philosophy going because the philosophy itself could also dissipate in the sense, uh, in terms of the exposure to society. Only a few people in monasteries will be in touch with it. The ritual is is the entry point. So they, they serve together, right? If it's understood. But if you remove the philosophy, then it just becomes blind. It becomes mechanical. And yet people who can think start turning away from it. What is this? Because they're not getting answers. Just do it. That's what we're supposed to do. But why? No, no, that's what you're supposed to do. That's not an answer. So traditionally, these two were together and and were uh, really wonderful. They're they're it's a it's a brilliant system to reorient and get the mind connected to the higher. Get the mind to remember the truth, to remember the purpose, to keep an eye on what we're actually here to do as human beings. And, and yeah, there and other places in the East, there's a lot more ritual. We we barely have any ritual at all, even in these yeah d- Western religious settings. Yeah, Ram Das described the U.S. as the world's first non-traditional society. Yeah, meaning that it's we've never had a, an entire society 
that has no traditions like between us all yeah um it's actually pretty strange territory and there, now there are other countries following but it's uh you know outside of partially fourth of july partially christmas yeah for the most part we have no common traditions um he meant the non-traditional yeah literally yeah. uh that's and then it does make a, a it's pretty gnarly ground to have any on-ramps to common philosophy in fact it brings me to this this last point i wanted to cover with you and when you said um it's a perfect segue of what to do yeah. uh responsibilities and and i've heard you talk about uh and, and it seems so anathema to what everyone is saying in in 2022 with a microphone with a you know a microphone it's around rights or it's around many people certainly uh, around the world talking about religion but um and rituals but right now in the last five years there's been this huge cacophony of our rights more rights more rights more rights and nothing about duties so can you talk to me a little bit about that misallocation or that misemphasis on touched on niceness instead of love and identification yeah. emphasis yeah. on ritual instead of philosophy or the misemphasis on uh, rights instead of duties duties liberate you from the ego rights in that now look I'm, we're not saying that people shouldn't have the right to vote the right to free speech the right whatever. right no that's why i say misemphasis there is yeah there is an imbalance because we have yeah. overemphasized one and not the other yeah. like you're saying ritual important for keeping yeah. the philosophy going yeah um it's obviously niceness is a component of of love yes when utilized uh, uh in the right emphasis yeah. yeah there's uh so yeah that there's just a imbalanced overemphasis on yeah. rights 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 instead yeah. of duties what what do what am i getting out of it that's my right rather than what's my duty and that's agitating it's disturbing it's not good for people actually to be walking around with that focus on me mm. me me i i i vedanta is trying to tell you you don't actually want to live that way what you actually want is to liberate yourself through sacrifice and duty towards something beyond yourself. That's mm. where you'll actually find what you actually want. If you're just angry and demanding and me and me and my and my all the time, you're going to be agitated. You're going to be disturbed. And Vedanta is just saying it's a fact. You deal with it. If you focus on duty, it's not telling you duties because it wants to give you work to do. Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's brilliant that it's not saying like, hey, Joseph, you need to sacrifice for others. Okay, it's your duty. Yeah. It's actually just saying, okay, Hey, do you want peace and stillness yeah. within you? Yeah. You want to be free of agitation? Okay. Walk this way. Yeah. Serve something bigger than yourself. That's a, that's what he means by duties. Like in relationships, uh, I saw Swamiji do, I've seen Swamiji do one wedding ever. And I don't know if it's the only one he's ever done, but good friends of ours who you met, he married them. And, uh, or it spoke at their, their marriage. And uh, first thing he said was, the moment you're married, you are indebted to each other. For, forever or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he went on. But I mean, 
the emphasis was immediately on you owe each other. Mm. <laughs> That's amazing, right? We think like, oh, after you do X, Y, Z for me, then maybe I'll, uh, then maybe I owe you. These are my rights in this. Here's the prenuptial right. agreement. My wedding days, the day I'm going to get all of X, Y, Z. X, Y, Z from you. Mm-hmm. Both ways. Now you're mine. You owe me this. I married you. You owe me this or that. The moment you are married, you're indebted to the other, is what how Swami started his sermon that day. Mm-hmm. Amazing. It's such a different focus. So if we have an attitude of what can I give rather than what can I get, this is my right at this company. And uh, you can't fire me because I have this right. Whereas a person that you'll be agitated, you'll be disturbed. It's incentive-based living rather than living for initiative, for a cause, for something bigger. You go in and be like, I want to see this thing succeed. I want this company to do great for us, for everybody, for the community, for the economy, for the people we're serving. It, it's a liberating way to live. That's all It I'm is. Saying. The whole community supports the hell out of you. If you yeah. are the, you know, I, I, in my startup investing kind of, tweets and blog posts I've talked about the the most powerful quality you can have is to do what you say you're going to do. Oh. And it's and it's uh I think it was in Carl everything in life. Yeah, and everything in life. So and rare. It's so rare and Carl Jung actually sure. has a great quote of you're not uh what do you say you'll do? All right, you're not what you say you'll do. You are what you do. And, or no, you are what you do, not what you say you'll do. And and they're related in that if you are that rare individual that actually just does what they say they're going to do, everyone around them realizes how rare that individual is yeah. and supports the, the hell out of them. It could be one of 500 employees at a company. It could be the one neighbor on the block. It yeah. could be the one family member in your 15 member extended family being that that rare individual you get everything you want yeah um and that you get that quietness because there's few things as satisfying as doing what you ought to do right but then too the whole community is like we better not lose this person yeah 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 <laughs> we right. we need them yes, and yes. and it is uh like zig ziglar the original motivational speaker uh-huh. uh fellow texan yeah like us and he said uh <laughs> said give others everything they want and you'll get everything you want yeah and in that and and it has to be in that order and there's uh that duties the the rights when i first heard you talk about rights and duties and and uh and swami talk about it say it is a brilliant reorientation um one because it works Focus on your duties at work. Be that rare individual on your team yeah. of, of seven that actually just focus on what needs to be done. Yes. Everyone's going to, you know, bow at your feet. Yeah. But two, uh, it doesn't just work. It it is this uh, efficient path to getting everything you want. Absolutely. It's yeah. it doesn't just work in terms of like these fit together. It's like one plus one equals three. Like they don't just fit together. You get more than. Yeah you would have imagined because you are thinking about, okay, what are my duties? What are my responsibilities? Um, and that is union. Um, totally. 
Religare. Yes. Being yes, yes. To join again. You have yoga. Yeah. Which is union. Yeah. Union at the heart of yoga and religion. Yeah. And yet it is through this philosophical understanding, <clears throat> it's through this knowledge, this uh, manual of living, that you see the union, you see the leaves, you have those roots. A stone fit for the wall will not be found in the way. Mm. So you become the wall. That's the yoga. And you're not cast out. Why doesn't nobody, why is nobody uh, giving me what I want? Why am I, serve, man. And serve without waiting to be given also. That's the rub. Mm. You can't be like, okay, I've served 30 days. Now my right is. Drop it. Don't have any, it's not, don't ever think of cashing it in. When we talked about last episode about the, the pain that comes from yeah. expectation. Yeah, yeah. Just do what you ought to do. That, as you say, that stone is, you know, it, it's in the, it's in the wall. It has a place. It's, and then it's maybe even a third layer where it's, it's, it's brilliant. Um, in that this love and identification, uh, religion and responsibility, rights and, and duties, it, the first column feels like, oh, that's, that's how I get what I want. Right. Love, be nice. And what I really want, Joseph, is to be loved. Yeah. Fuck loving other people. Honestly, yeah. like it is about being loved. Yes. yes. Anyone in yeah. a conventional sense that's talking about love yeah. is only talking about it yeah. to take inventory of how they can get it. And same thing for, for religion in so many, for so many, uh, of us it was just the ultimate slot machine it's like how do i play the game so that i get this very hedonistic yeah. paradise on the other side yeah. or or third it's how do i get all the rights that i can to have this institution give me everything that i that yeah. i want yeah. um, i'm seeing now a livable wage being a right yeah and maybe that should be a right but this idea that it's like, let me go down the list of everything that I could want. Yeah. Shelter in San Francisco. People say shelter should be a right. Yeah. You can go down that list, yeah. but it's like the love thing. You're just taking inventory of yeah. your desires. Yeah. And anyone that's just to what <clears throat> to what you're saying, that inventory of desires that you're taking is just gonna push them away. Yeah. Versus here is you it's just gonna lead to agitation. Versus, here is the route to what you want. Yeah, it's endless. Incentives are inorganic, and they are endless. They are. That's a selfish way of living. If I, if if you do this, we'll give you this. It and the employers, everybody, that all the institutions, actually, a lot of them making it worse. If you do X, just to get people to act. If you do X, we'll give you this. It actually increases your selfishness increases the the demand for more for me rather than here's a cause join us two ways to run a business too easy you want to change the culture of your business take it away from uh do this we'll give you this change it from that to this is the cause that we're serving join us look at Zelensky. people all over the world are flying in there to fight with that guy 
I don't even know how much that's being covered, but there's a lot of people. I've got friends that flew to Poland just to organize uh, supply drops. Yeah. That guy's saying we have a cause. He's not demanding anything. There's no rights. He's not saying I need anything. I, I should be protected. I'm the president. No, he's saying I'm in the front. Come stand with us. And the whole world's going. Matt, you run a company like that, you win. There's so many examples like that. If a founder starts a company with the attitude of, I'm the leader of a cause, I have a duty to this place, and if you want to join the cause, join it. That's organic. It builds. It, it's called initiative. Initiative mm. versus incentive. This is the Gita. You know, Krishna saying, there's a cause. Seek it. Serve it. What is your duty to, how can you put a shoulder to the cause? Mm. It's a different way of living. And it's not everybody along the way will evolve as humans, spiritually speaking. They'll be peaceful. They'll be successful. They'll get everything they want. So why are we doing it another way? Mm-hmm. Because we don't know. Because this society's gotten so onto this. These are my rights. Sort well, of with YFYI, we're trying to spread the highest ideals, the, yeah. the truth, Vedanta, Yep. to the world so join us in any way that uh that you feel like you could be useful totally people are anyone's welcome there's a lot of ways mainly most important thing is study right <laughs> right that's, that's the main duty is mm-hmm. to study and uh i have zoom classes there's uh there's instagram there's various ways people can follow the online course that swami is uh offers uh which is linked on our website yfyi.co is an amazing way to get involved in the study. Uh, if you really want to do some service and karma, like organize talks, give us a call. We'll come talk about Vedanta. Mm. There's any ways that people want to be involved, and it's great. And and we're doing it, no axe to grind. Uh, Actually, yeah, just listening to the episodes, and then if you feel the on ramp graduation to yeah. Vedanta Treatise, and Vedanta then the online treatise. courses, yeah. yeah, the the in your classes the. Yeah, there, there was a conversation I had with Swami over dinner, uh, one of the dinners that he said, I said, is there any way that I can serve? And he said, just find the truth. <laughs> Amazing. Only only Swami. <laughs> like he didn't ask, like, what can you do? And I feel oh, like yeah, I'm yeah. a decently competent person. He's like, yeah, yeah. no, there's nothing. Just there's, find the truth. That is ego speaking. That it's, it's like we've said before of, Every time we ask for something, every time I ask for something, the visual in my head should be, I'm walking up to a chessboard and I'm just saying, you should, we should make these pieces white and this, make this one black and make this one a biscuit and make this one an Oreo cookie. And, <laughs> and before I've ever understood the game, I've completely set myself back Amazing. 50 paces. And uh, that's why we go see the Swami. Mm. That's why. Because look at that. Look at that simple line, what he avo- helped you avoid. Mm. That's crazy. Could have been lifetimes of moving chess pieces around mm. without knowing first. I should find the truth. Crazy. Mm. He just reorients the whole thing. That's why we go see the Swami. Let's go see him again. We're going. Amen. In June. <laughs> Amazing. All right, Joseph. Cool, well, man. Good uh, one. Thank you so much. And if people, I this is off the cuff, but if people want to join us when we're going there in June, um, it's drop us uh, an email, yeah. uh, yoga for your intellect at gmail.com, and, and we'll try to, the best of our ability, uh, coordinate yeah. and get a group. And then, um, 
there's just a, a last of these notes is is or something that should be mentioned is he's 94 so yeah. i'm uh, really glad i got to got to see him to get those words of wisdom let's go see him thank you Justin. all right man thank you Woo! that episode was fantastic and if you are digging yoga for your intellect and want to introduce this philosophy to your coworkers and your team well joseph and i are down to come visit basically an in-person yfyi come visit with you and your team in the same way that you might invite a yoga instructor for a team building event we're willing to come to your office and talk to your team as well we can do it over zoom as well it is uh it's whatever makes sense but uh, we're even down to do it in person and that is just in line with the mission of making this philosophy available and accessible to all those that seek it. Joseph and I would love to come talk with you and your team about Yoga for Your Intellect. And that really comes from my perspective of running businesses for the last 15 years and just knowing, man, it was about 10 years ago, I was running a 50-person company, led to a trip to the ER, I was drinking seven cups of coffee a day to try to stay on top of everything, um, trip to the ER with a heart condition. Needless to say, it was a very, very stressful, extremely stressful time in life. And that business ultimately failed. And 10 years later, I sit here and, and get to have these conversations with, with Joseph while running two companies and, and a venture fund. Each day just feels like it's a hot knife through butter. I have not had a single day of stress in the last six, seven years of building multiple companies and, and multiple venture funds. It's truly remarkable, and I know that it's not me or the businesses that are different than 10 years ago, but it's my approach to each day and quite literally to the start to the day because every day starts with this philosophy for me, and we want to share it with your team. For me, it feels like an obligation of sorts and a loud siren saying that teams and companies around the globe need to hear this. So if you're interested, email us at, this is the key thing, email us at yogaforyourintellect at gmail.com. That's yogaforyourintellect at gmail.com. Use the email address in the show notes and we would love to come chat with you and your team. <laughs>